you know, we should consider like actually quitting our jobs. Listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. So, how are things? I am actually pretty darn busy at the moment. We are moving cross country back to Massachusetts from Seattle tomorrow. So it was probably a little foolhardy of me to still be putting together an episode for this week. But you know what? It was totally worth it because this band you're going to hear today, Monitor, is really good. I think you're going to really dig their stuff. Uh, Which kind of reminds me, I set up a Spotify playlist featuring songs from almost every artist that I've had on Talking About the Passion. So I'm going to put up a link for that in the show notes. And all you Spotify users should definitely check that out. Anyway, for episode 45, we have Monitor. They are a Seattle-based alternative rock band consisting primarily of vocalist Dave Raskin and guitarist Connor Smith. They've been playing together for years and just finished their first full-length release entitled Memorand. The duo left their day jobs to write songs for the album over several months and recorded it last winter in Brooklyn, New York City. The album explores an eclectic blend of arrangements that showcase the diversity of Smith and Raskin's songwriting styles. Radiohead. Uh, They are now preparing for a series of shows throughout the Northwest with drummer Pete Fitton. I talked to just Dave and Connor, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, Before you hear that interview, I'm going to play you the first song off their new album now. This is called Data Points.
I'm sitting here with Dave and Connor from Monitor. I don't know if you guys want to introduce yourselves so we know which voice is whose. Sure, I'm Dave. I'm Connor. How many other people are in the group? Uh, there's so Right now there's three of us. Um, so our drummer Pete is not here today. Um, and there's this guy, Dakota, we've been playing bass with, but uh, Pete is right now, I think, the only other permanent member. Uh, yeah. Pete yeah. the drummer. Pete the drummer. Pete Fitton. Magic right. Pete Fitton. Yep. And uh, Dave, what do you play? Uh, I'm the lead vocalist. I play guitar uh, on most of the tracks, kind of more rhythm-oriented. Yep. Uh, I do lead guitar and also some rhythm guitar and backup vocals sometimes. Nice. So you, when you're making the songs and, uh, you know, writing the song, recording and all that, is it mainly you guys work as a duo and then give stuff to the drummer? Well, we haven't written with much with uh, Pete yet or outside, you know, most of the, so we recorded, wrote and recorded uh, our first record together, just the two of us last year. Uh, And so we, you know, we took some time off of work and we wrote, um, just, you know, full time doing music. And so it was, but we were just, you know, neither of us can really play drums. Um, the drummer on this record is actually not Pete. Uh, it's actually a guy we oh, went to school with. Okay. Um, we used to play in a band with him. Uh, and Dave used to play in, in another band with him in Seattle, uh, which you can speak more to. He's but, a really good friend of ours. Yeah. Rami and, Stuckey. Yep. Uh, I, could, I could go on about this. But, we, we were you know, we were writing, to make it short, I mean, we, we were writing... Uh, and we weren't sure, you know, going into it, whether or not it would be electronic drums or you know, we were going to try to do that at least, you know, we we're going to try to do like beats, yeah, yeah. you know, and, uh, but lo and behold, neither of us really had any experience making beats and could, you know, we're unable to, you know, deliver results that we were remotely happy with. And so we were sort of at an impasse uh, mm-hmm. where we had a lot of guitar parts and songs and, you know, structures that we really liked, but and we were making a lot of great headway on that, but we weren't, you know, we, it, they were all missing drums. And without the drums, like, we just couldn't, it, it's such a crucial part yeah. of the rock make it you know, the arrangement. Yeah. I mean, to energy and alone, you know. Uh, it's really it's really hard we found to build up a song a song with no drums. You know, we, we <laughs> turns out adding more guitars doesn't always do it. Uh, <laughs> and boy, did we try! Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, and so at a certain point, we decided, okay, you know, we need a drummer. And I think we were in San Francisco when we finally decided that, or San Jose. And yeah. uh, you know, I think you uh, reached out to Rami to see if he was interested. And, and right away, he responded, he's, "I would love that." Send me some tracks. Okay, yeah. that's what you want to hear. So, you know, yeah. other than our hired gun. And uh, uh, if you listen to the record, the drums are phenomenal to toot Rami's horn. He's he really, he eats them for breakfast. So Pete's going to have to step it up for... Pete has and done exactly has he, that. Yeah. Okay, so he's, he's right on board. Oh, yeah, he's killing it. You know, Pete has always been a, you know, a songwriter. He's a guitarist. He's a vocalist. Like me, he majored in uh, music composition in college, oh. and he'd played a little bit of drums. He'd done some touring with a you know a punk band that his friend was in for you know a couple of weeks, but really didn't have much experience. And when we got back and started putting together a live set to play Memorand, he said, "You know, I would love to be a part of your band, but I want to play drums." And so you know he started practicing and practicing and practicing, and now, yeah, he really does. He kills it. So he's got all the parts down. Yeah, it, you know, it's if um, there's a track called um, the Memorand, 
uh, which was the first single, and the drums on that one in particular are, like, difficult to play, let's just say. I mean, it's like, he's trying to, you know, Rami was imitating, like, a beat, uh, like, a burial-style beat. I don't know if you were familiar. Bur- yeah, burial. Yeah. Not dubstep, but... Yeah, class- dub- classical dubstep. It's, it's not <laughs> played by human being. <laughs> or at least it wasn't yeah. intended yeah. to be until Rami came up with this beat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and so he wrote it saying, like, oh, and you guys should program with something that sounds like this. And it's just like... And we're just like, why don't we just... Why don't you just play that, you know? And so... That was a one, I mean, that was like a huge, you know, I th- that was a, a really lofty goal for Pete uh, as, a, as a new, you know, a pretty new drummer to be able to play that beat in particular. And we didn't, you know, we didn't put any pressure to do it. It was like, if it happens, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. If not, we'll figure something else out, you know, there's drum machines or whatever. Uh, but no, he all, and he really like, he, I mean, he is really focused and dedicated and just, you know, took it slow and got there. And now it's like, a way better drummer, I think, as a result, you know, of just even going through the motions of learning that, you know. Uh, and meanwhile, like, by, by, you know, some standards, he's probably also, like, the best guitarist in the band. <laughs> I mean, he's played guitar for, like, 15 years or something, you know. Like, he doesn't play guitar and monitor, but it's just kind of funny. Like, he's a really talented musician. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we've been lucky, I guess, to work with two really good drummers. Uh, but um, initially, monitor started as just the two of you, so... How long have you guys known each other? How'd you... Uh... We met third or fourth day of college. All right, so you uh, met in college? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, music was the foundation for our friendship right away. Connor immediately met another musician, you know, living in our dorm room. And I guess they were walking around the dorm and saw through my open door that I had a bass guitar. And so they just kind of walked up to me on the quad one day when I was playing Frisbee, as stereotypically as possible on mm-hmm. the third, third day of college. <laughs> Um, I think it was Hunter who said, you know, oh, I saw that you have a bass. That's a nice bass. Do you play? And I said, yeah, sure, I play. Well, we're trying to put a band together. You want to, like, jam with us tonight? And so that night we jammed in the basement of the dorm and I think probably annoyed the hell out of at least the first couple of floors. And that was the first band that we were in together. Yep. Wow. Yep, jamming on uh, Can't Stop by Red Hot Chili Peppers. (laughs) Yeah. Uh good college yeah. stuff yeah it really was yeah so from there we so we were in that band for eh, probably a year i think and then it, it you know we had stylistic differences or whatnot uh yeah. and uh and so dave and i formed another band uh called pharos and and now i have to spell it for you p-h-a-r backslash o-s was how it was and so very Googleable. Not was, optimized yeah. for search engines, as we found out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that was, I think, when we both first were like d- d- started songwriting. Yeah, we were That's halted for a while really... right after Harmonic Frontier broke up. Hunter was the rhythm guitarist and singer. Right. Um, and so once that broke up, we still had our drummer, Kendall, and I right. was primarily a bassist, and Connor was primarily a lead guitarist. And so we sat around scratching our heads saying, well, you know, where are we going to find a singer? And so that, you know, that was about a year of like writing and trading guitar parts and all this stuff, not really even really trying to take it upon ourselves. And then we said, well, wait a minute, we can sing. Why not give this a shot? Yeah. Yeah. Take some practice. Yeah. And uh, what college were you guys going to? Bowdoin College. Uh, It's up in Maine. Up in Maine. Okay. Are you 
you both uh, from that part of the country? Or? No, I, I am. I'm from the Boston area. Um, you are too as well, right? I'm from Western Mass. Okay. So might as well be another state. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might as well live in California. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Dave's from Miami. Yep. Miami. Okay. Yep. Sunny Miami, Florida. Oh, and you ran away to Maine and then uh, dipped out to Seattle. I went from one corner to another corner. Mm-hmm. And then another corner. I'm not sure I've ever met somebody from Miami. Well, I don't know that I'm the best representation of the city. I would never have guessed um, that you were from there. Yeah, I, uh, there are better ambassadors for Miami. Um, <laughs> okay. And it's a, it's a wonderful city. When I like first left and got up to Maine, um, I really liked Maine. And I was like, oh, Miami stinks. I didn't know that. I always thought I liked it. Um, and then, you know, kind of as I grew up a little bit more, I realized I do like Miami. I just like other places, too. And there's no real rock and roll scene that I know of in Miami. It's all club music, right? It's a lot of club music, a lot of Latin music, Latin music stuff yeah. like that, but a lot of club music. Um, you know, nightlife doesn't start until midnight. I'm, you know, I'm still too intimidated. Even when I go back home for, you know, Thanksgiving or something to see my parents, I'll hang out with my friends, and I don't want to go start my night at midnight. Yeah, that's for serious <laughs> nightclubbers only. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it takes a commitment. It's real stuff. Uh, I guess... Summer after my freshman year of college, I was working at a nightclub, you know, working, you know, 11 to 6, doing kind of video. 11 a.m. to 11, 11 p.m. PM to, 6 to 6 a.m. Yeah, the bad 11 to 6. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't, it was fun, but I, not for me, not I'm not much of a night owl. Yeah. I've found. But so you guys are in a couple different groups in college, and then you graduate the same same year, mm-hmm. same year, and then you uh, both moved out to Seattle after that. No, we went our separate ways for a bit. You know, yeah. Connor stayed on the East Coast. I mean, he's from Boston, so he was out there for a while. I came out to Seattle almost right away with Rami Stuckey, the drummer, oh, okay. um, and yeah. with another friend of ours, Alex Satula. Um, and we started a band out here called Brother Inferior. That you know, we played a bit and gigged a little and did some you know amateur recording and demoing and stuff and uh you know just kind of grinded for a bit yeah um learned a lot of the tricks of the trade that way yeah learned a couple of them not as many as we thought we would uh you guys had t-shirts we you know okay you got that far we made excellent t-shirts they they look great we you know actually alex and rami made those just right in our basement with uh you know hanes shirt and spray paint and (laughs) you know little cardboard stencils that they cut out with exacto knives um I still wear them all the time. They're they're cool shirts, if I do say so myself. But but yeah, we were separate for a while, and then it really after, you know, Brother Inferior stopped playing. Alex had to go back to uh, school to graduate, and Rami uh, started trying to pursue his PhD in music history, and he's still at UVA um, studying uh, for that. So then I was you know making music in my bedroom. And Connor was making music in his bedroom, and you know we were just talking on the phone. And it's like, well, you know, I'd like to be playing again. And you know, I think Connor came up to Seattle once. I made a trip or two down to San Francisco, and we would always just kind of work on these songs that mm. we'd been writing separately. And then eventually, it was like, well, if we're gonna do this, we should do this. So, so after a while, Connor, you came to him. Connor took the plunge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was so I was when I, you know I moved to Boston, like you said, after school. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was moving out to, I wanted to move out to the West Coast after a year. And so, um, it was sort of between Seattle and San Francisco, ended up getting a job in San Francisco, you know, and so bada bing, bada boom, I'm in San Francisco. And, 
yeah, I, but meanwhile, I'd been, you know, and, and I'm working tech, you know, and so meanwhile, I'm, you know, this music side of me, it's just like still that, you know, it's very much still there, but I'm not exercising that muscle, much. Mm. but I'm writing, you know, but I'm trying to start like actively, you know, writing in my, you know, when I get home and, but you know, at the end of a day, work day, you get home. You have no energy left. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, man, it just Especially you've so been long. staring at a computer all day. Oh, yeah, writing songs and that. I mean, they just progressed very slowly, you know, which is fine. Uh, but ultimately, it wasn't fine, it, you know. And so, yeah, like Dave said, I, you know, we'd meet up and work on songs. And so, yeah, I think one day we're just like, you know, we should consider, like, actually quitting our jobs and, you know, like, starting. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Doing, you know, because like, we, if we're gonna do this, which we I know we can do, like, it's gonna take like full dedication, you know, all day, and so. Uh, Saved up some dough. Yeah. You know, made it happen. Yeah, and we weren't working for about a full year. Yeah, it was a little just less about than that a little less than not quite yeah. a full year, but. Uh, which made Seattle yeah. a little bit more attractive than uh, the Bay Area. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> I. I, I can't believe that anything makes Seattle look cheap, uh, but yeah, the Seattle's Bay still doesn't. Bay Area Junior. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well stage. said. Yeah, and it's uh, I don't know I don't know a ton about San Francisco, but I feel like the music scene in Seattle is more robust. It's easier to go to a bunch of different venues, a bunch of different gigs. It's a little safer, a little friendlier, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that. There, there definitely is a music scene in San Francisco, uh, and definitely not one to scoff at. But at the same time, Seattle, it's a bit more. I guess I think you were kind of getting at this, but it's kind of like friendly, a little bit more approachable. Like, yeah, it's easier to get around. To, you can get to yeah, it's easier to get around. Easier to get to like venues. And what I've noticed is like you know you go out on a weekday, and you, like there's always people at shows. They're all you know like I'm Seattle going tonight. Go to shows. Yeah, the, good on you, man. I mean. Uh, and in San Francisco, I, you know, and likewise, I know this in Boston, I think it's a bit harder to get people to go out. A lot of people, I think, there, and I'm, of course, generalizing, but I think a lot of people there are just, they're busybodies, you know, they're doing yeah. lots of stuff, and they're very social, and they're going to, you know, they're not just, they're not just music junkies, they're like, they might, they're going to go see, like, music when they're, like, really like the act, but they're also yeah. going to go to, like, they'll only go to the biggest opening. name concerts. There's maybe. a lot of that, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and there are plenty of people that defy that, you know, but but I think on the, if you were generalizing on the whole, yeah. like, that, that's something I noticed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of busybodies in uh, major cities like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Seattle has a little more of that laid back feel. But, um, so you came out here, you guys are going at it. No job to contend with. You just got all your... So what took all this time? Like the uh, the recording itself or... It was the writing largely. I mean, yeah. we would, you know, we tried to keep pretty regular hours, you know, like nine to five with an hour long mm. lunch break. Um, yeah. And, you know, we'd set the schedule for the day, whether it was, okay, let's start arranging a song that we haven't touched or we've realized that the song is pretty dynamic, but the C-section has a real lull. What can we do? You know, different exercises, practicing, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, just, you know, in hindsight, could have been maybe consolidated a little bit, but it was just... But it was you your know, first time. It was our too. first time, and it was we didn't really know exactly what to expect or when to stop. Uh, we, you know, we'd write a version of a song, and it would be good, you know? And then we'd play it and play it and play it. And then we'd decide it wasn't good enough or something and mm -hmm. start from scratch. That or, tinker part of your brain yeah, takes um, over. Yeah. And boy, did that tinker part of our brain take <laughs> over. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and especially because it was the two of us, especially because we didn't have a drummer. Um, you know, we were writing our bass parts, but not, you know, we couldn't play them all in a room. And so, you know, we were two non-engineers who were demoing all these out. And then, you know, well, is this the arrangement's fault or is it the recording's fault or what? Um, and so eventually we hooked up with a, uh, a producer who had produced an album for a friend of ours from college. Um, and we really liked the album. It was Tourist by uh, Adler Hall, which is a project that my friend Henry Hoagland uh, fronts. Hmm. Um, and he had had an excellent experience working with this guy, Kyle Joseph. Um, and we talked to him on, over the phone a few times. Uh, and I don't know. We just we determined that we you needed found the to right be man produced. The you project. know what I mean? Yeah. We, and especially once we got there, we realized how important it was to be told no. Oh. You know, if oh, yeah. if you've got a hundred good ideas, you're gonna have a terrible song because yeah. they're, they're not that many ideas fit in a Take given a hundred good ideas, make twenty different songs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. keep six of them. Yeah, you know? it's uh, you get into it, but then you realize like a good song, there's not that many components to yeah. it often. And sometimes yeah. there are. Yeah, you know, you, we're 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 certain guilty. kind of music will have. We're definitely guilty yeah. of putting on our headphones and you know, listening to the same Radiohead track. Six yeah, times picking in a day out the sixty and different saying, little details. Oh wow, details. there are sixty different details yeah. here, um, but we're not Radiohead. But Pablo Honey doesn't have sixty different details. <laughs> correct, <laughs> and correct. it shows. Yeah, but I mean, but anyhow, I mean, it. You know, it, that was a really excellent, I think, yeah, experience yeah. for but us, and it a, was really good for the album as a, a whole. Third person in there, like a new perspective. Yeah, people totally underrate the role of producers. Yeah, yeah. It's, and they're still kind of misunderstood, like I think what so. they contribute to. I think especially these days, where you know, I mean, you know, we're we're in your apartment right now. There's Abel. Yeah. Uh, now, actually, listeners, we're in a very nice studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you, you know, you, people can't be with the technology. Like you, sort of have the tools to do everything out of your own, you know, out of the box, out of your laptop, if you want to, you know. But does that mean you necessarily should? You know, for some people, yes. For yeah, some people, no. How that um, affects your your workflow and yeah, it, but it's yeah. different because yeah, it's no longer an absolute necessity to to go to a recording studio. You know, to have a producer like you know, like you're not because you don't necessarily need to work if you if, you know with a label. Like if you're if you're working with a major label, they're probably gonna insist that you have a producer. You know, but. If you're not working a label, no one's telling you what Jack, you know, Jack, and then no one, yeah. you know. It's all on you, for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I don't know, I think six months ago, there were like a few different articles that were published. You know, one of them was in Consequence of Sound, which is, I think, a Boston periodical or something. It's a pretty big one, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Is it Chicago-based? Yeah. Anyhow, th there were a lot of these um, magazines posting articles about, you know, bands had died, and it was the age of the solo artist. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that to some extent, um, there's some truth to that. Um, and when you have Ableton in your bedroom, and when you're doing stuff like that, you can self-produce. I think the role of a producer might, poss might be a little bit more important when you've got a band, when you've got a bunch of people contributing creative ideas. A lot of different opinions to yeah, blend exactly. together. Um, yeah. And one of the most important things to, I think, maintain kind of creative liberty and, you know, to promote creative expression is to have everybody feel as if their voice and their opinion is of equal weight. But when a decision needs to be made and three ideas have equal weight, not a lot gets done. And so if you've got a fourth person who you trust, or, you know, when you've got a band plus one person yeah, that you yeah, trust, yeah. it, you know, it can really help streamline things. And it did that. You know, I didn't agree with Kyle on every decision. I don't think any of us did. And, you know, Kyle didn't get his way every time. None of us did. But, you know, the album, I think, was really a lot stronger for it. Yeah, I think that the one of the strongest things of a producer, to add on to that, is that they are 
you know, not only someone who can um, help sort of facilitate those decisions being made, but also that, that they're like theoretically quote unquote objective, like no one's objective, but they're, you know, they're- They're more objective they're out, than you guys. They are outside, <laughs> they are, of, they if are we are that. in the box, they are sort of outside the box. They're coming at it from an external perspective. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, really key because, you know, we, you know, we can just have conversations uh, if we're, we're, you know, trying to figure out what's going to work in a song and we can just be having some conversation based on some assumption that like, this is a really fun, song and then the producer can be like dude guys this is like a ballad or like yeah. you know yeah, like it's just yeah. like you, you you can just be so in the in you know in inside the, bubble, the like, song inside yeah. the song exactly that having someone from the outside hear it with a fresh pair of ears you know that's so important you know and i think a lot of artists you know struggle i mean there's a control element too you know yeah. you are certainly relinquishing some control like to you know it's it's obviously it's a there's a give and take dynamic there but yeah, you know, you have to be able to like let go a little bit mm -hmm. and trust and put your trust in someone else's hands. And like when it's your baby, it's you know that can be difficult. But I'm really glad that we were able to do that. You know, yeah, uh, sounds like it really helped you guys out. Oh, oh yeah, good on you for yeah. I don't think we would have thinking of hiring him. him. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Now, why do you guys call yourself Monitor? Um, it took us a long time to come up with a band name. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. We. <laughs> Pharaohs scarred us enough that we, we realized we had to get it right. Likewise, uh, you know, Brother Inferior was a name that, you know, some other band that would, was long defunct um, had had, in, you know, for a, a run of a few years in the 90s. And that yeah. Plus, maybe you don't want the name Inferior in your, <laughs> well, you know. your moniker. Depends on who you are. Depends on who, depends on who you are. Uh, but, you know, that aside, I mean, it's just, you know, we needed something that we found that all the good names are taken. Mm. All the mediocre names are taken. <laughs> I mean, they're just all... So anyhow, we spent a long time trying to agree with the band name uh, and find a one that agreed with us. And it finally happened. We were down in Los Angeles. Yep. And we had a free day. We were following... Uh, we were, you know, watching... I think we were seeing a Radiohead concert that night. So we had time to kill, and we went to the Museum of Contemporary Art, one of those campuses, because I think mm -hmm. LA has a few... And we were, you know, looking around. It was really, you know, a couple of nice exhibits. Um, and I, you know, I walked up to Connor and I was like, actually, you know, I've been keeping track of some of these, the, the names of these pieces. Some of them are actually really cool. Oh. And Connor whipped out his phone and he had already written down some of them for the same purpose. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and uh, we both agreed on, like the first on his list and about the top of mine was a, was a really beautiful piece called Monitor. Um, and it's a cool word. It's a, it's a noun. It's a verb. Oh, it is a verb too. Uh, it's an adjective when you're talking about a lizard. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it was something that we felt was kind of cool on the surface and that we could grow into and that would grow with us. Um, and it would leave a lot, you know, our listeners could pick whichever version of it they yeah. liked. But it's, you know, it says a lot. And, you know, there's, especially on the first record, a lot of, a lot of lyrics, especially the songs that, uh, um, that Connor was writing, you know, talked about the, uh, the, the big eye that is part mm -hmm. of the, you know, kind of technological state we live in. And, yeah. you know, it's a, it is a big part of, you know, being a global citizen these days is uh, monitoring and being monitored and monitoring people being monitored. And 
you know, interacting with monitors. So, I mean, it seemed, you know, it was something that was ubiquitous, it was relatable, it was, it was all the things that we liked in a name. So it clicked for you. It really clicked for us. Yeah. And then we started doing research right away and it was not taken by too many people. By too many people. You know, I, you know a couple of acts, I think, over the years have called themselves Monitor. I don't think, I don't know of any that are still yeah. active. And they Seems fresh they, enough to me. They certainly were not optimized for SEO in the way that we okay. intend to be. So, I mean, there, you know, there was an opening and, uh, yeah, we took it. Did you get the, I feel like you got the SoundCloud like that weekend or something. <laughs> I, oh yeah, I, I, I immediately got um, the SoundCloud. You know, we snatched that up. There, there, there had been a, an artist in Australia who went by the name Monitor, uh, who had a Bandcamp, monitor.bandcamp.com. Oh. Um, and I messaged him that day and I said, I noticed that you have not posted anything yeah, since buddy. 2013. Step aside. Are you still, uh, are you still active? We, uh, you know, we just started a project. We're looking to call ourselves Monitor. Um, and he wrote back and he said, oh, you know, I love the Seattle music scene. I would love to. Here, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, write me back. And when you do, I'll relinquish the name and you can swoop it up before anybody else does. And so, you know, within a day, we had monitor.bandcamp.com. So the stars kind of aligned for us. And, okay. you know, before that, there had been some names that Connor liked and there had been some names that I liked. And, you know, they never totally clicked right away for both of us and Monitor did. No, yeah, that one really just. We haven't really like looked back since. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you got the name, you're starting to work together, and how were you communicating like what you wanted to make, the sort of sound you were going for? Like what were your influences going in? Well, I, we definitely have a lot of similar interests uh, musically uh, and also different, plenty of different interests as well. Um, I think that we didn't really go into it with any specific explicit or specific expectations of what it would sound like, I think. You know, I think we kind of wanted to, like, we, we jam a lot, you know, or we write a lot just by playing, getting it out, same we feel it out. Making we, noise. You know, yeah, you know, and seeing what happens. Uh, uh, and so I think for a lot of them, we started, for most songs, I think we start out that we don't really go in saying like, oh, this one's going to be a rock song. This one's going to be this or that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we kind of, and you know, our influences definitely come out. We definitely regurgitate our influences. But but then I, I think it, it, it's usually like a two-part two thing where we, you know, we start with that. Like we don't necessarily talk about it. We communicate just through music, mm -hmm. and then we talk about it. And then, then we yeah, yeah, when you gotta yeah. get down to the nitty gritty. And, and yeah, and then we talk about where it's going. But then we talk about all those things. Do we want to be a rock song? We want to be, yeah, you yeah. know, you know. And, and there's definitely with the songs. lyrics. Does this, you know, yeah. fit with the vibe, the mood? You know, we we sit so we down. Already, and we're we, already doing a song like this. You know, like yeah. we we don't have to, we, you know we we're definitely conscious. Not we don't like having two of the same song ever. You know, so we don't you know we don't want to overlap. And so I imagine so far you're getting a lot of. Radiohead comparisons. Oh sure, oh, yeah. people have brought it up. Was that near the top of the list for you? We, yeah, we like Radiohead. Uh, <laughs> we won't. Uh, we won't deny that. Um, and we've de we've definitely gotten that comparison a good bit. I think uh, you know. There's. I think a lot of bands who will write a song on guitar, or something like that, and then step away from it and say, "All right, guitar aside, we've got this song. Let's build something from scratch." I'll probably draw that comparison. Yeah. Is my guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we uh, we're both big Radiohead fans for sure. That uh, I think was one of our. It was not our first uh, kind of musical bond. Like we said, it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I yeah. think that both of us were so into <laughs> in high school, um, and still hold a special place in our heart. But I think we yeah. kind of started moving in the more heady, intellectual kind of bands like Radiohead route, which maybe led to the demise yeah. of our first band. Um, yeah. 
or to put it another way, definitely led to the demise of our first <laughs> band. Yep. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, we've gotten that comparison a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think studying, uh, you know, studying music in college, definitely, like, really thinking about being all, like, you know, borderline pretentious on music yeah. and getting really... Making you know, it really... academic. Yeah. Uh, yes, you know, and, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to think about. We You know, I think we definitely veer towards, a lot of the times, veer towards cerebral music. Uh, not always, but uh, that's definitely something we both like analyze music when we hear it, you know, uh, and talk about it and various things. Uh, All right. So uh, what does uh, Monitor have coming up in the future? What are you guys working on now? That's a good question. We, uh, so it's, it's only been a few months now since we released this record. Um, you know, we finished it and spent a long time, you know, promoting it. We had, you know, a few write-ups about yeah, you know, yeah. particular singles, released those one at a time. Uh, finally did our album release. We've been playing a few shows around Seattle, but um, something that I've been looking forward to for a while, I think all of us have, and that we finally have time to do, you know, we onboarded our drummer, we onboarded our bassist, and now we get to start writing again. Ooh. And, you know, I've been, you know, writing songs in my bedroom for a while now, so we've got a backlog of a few. We've got a bunch of songs that didn't make the last record yeah, yeah, just because yeah. the arrangements weren't there, but that are, oh, man, that we love and we're so excited. So now... Yeah. you got a lot more where that came from. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Pete Connor and I live together. We've got our band room in our basement. Oh, wow. And so now, instead of, you know, spending our practices trying to make sure that memorand is tight for whatever show that's coming up, now that we've got it all down, yeah. it's uh, it's back to the grindstone, which yeah. is, I don't know. I mean, for a lot of people, that, yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. I mean, it's... Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm definitely, um, in many respects, not just musically, but I'm kind of a grass-is-always-greener kind of guy. Um, and so I might be romanticizing the, uh, you right. know, the, the initial steps of, uh, of starting to arrange something with a band, you know, you know, I've been getting antsy about, you know, writing with my band, uh, for a while now. Cause you know, we had, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, work, work that goes into releasing an album that goes mm -hmm. into, you know, putting a band together to play an album live. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I was, you know, getting stressed out about, you know, the fact that we weren't working on new stuff. And I remember I was just, you know kind of dicking around, going through some old, like, lyrics journals and notebooks and stuff that I had. And I was, you know, kind of keeping a diary for a while, and I remember reading a line from while we were working on the record that was like, I know that the grass is always greener, but boy, am I excited to just be writing songs alone again. You know, uh, the, 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 the grind, the nine-to-five of just working as a duo is, you know, it's getting, you know, so anyhow, um, that grass is just on the other side of the fence, and it, oh, it's verdant. It looks so <laughs> green. I'm so excited. Um, and we've started writing a little bit with Pete, and it has been like, really fruitful. I mean, just you know, right from the first song, he's full of ideas, good ones. I mean, he's yeah, you got another voice in there now. Got another voice yeah. in there. I mean, he's a really thoughtful musician, um, and you know, has so far contributed big ideas that are way more than just beats. You know, yeah. so you know, more heads in the room is really good. You know, except for when it's not. But whatever, we're pretty emotionally communicative, uh, so. Any little disagreements go away pretty quickly, we find. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's not always easy for a band, especially one that works together so closely as you guys, to just keep on grinding out the, the music and not <laughs> getting in too many difficult arguments and stuff. Oh, sure. But, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's part of the game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess growing up is not having fewer fights. It's just getting over them quicker. Mm, yeah, micro fights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think one thing we did really well when we were writing was we were sort of proactive about talking about issues. And, you know, like at the end of 
pretty much every week we would like do a little, you know, retro, uh, uh, just talk about like what we were doing that was feeling good, what wasn't feeling good, what was going well, you know. Um, and I think that really helped surface thing, bring things to the surface that otherwise might not have gotten to the surface and might have festered inside and led to more like arguments, you know. Uh, so I mean, you know, turns out communication is tough, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you got to be, you know, I think it. it you you got to beat be on it, it before it beats you. Yeah. Yeah, you really got to be on top of it and really try put in effort. Like it's not going to happen on its own magically, even you know. Uh, and I think that's true of most relationships even, you know. They always say a band is what a, it's yeah, like a it's relationship like without all the fucking. Or, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Um And you guys are wise going in to treat it like a job, like start to approach it like a, a business yeah. too. So Yeah. I think so. Um, and it, it really helped, I think, to have each other because yeah. It's it is super easy to let yourself slip when it's just you, and you know it's you know there was never the case that either of us had to be on each other, but there was just never a question on a given day of oh I don't feel so well maybe I'll start at noon or something. It was just you know that little bit of accountability yeah. really helps I think. Yeah, totally. Or at least helped us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't get lost in the Netflix hall or something. No, nope. exactly. Yeah, I was figured. Yeah, if I was on my own, I might be like. Ah, I can watch a few more episodes on Netflix. You know, <laughs> on a two-hour lunch. You know? Yeah. Um, but no, we had a lot of fun, and that was—I mean—the the time writing was really fruitful. We would often work nine to five, and then have dinner, and then you know hang out for a bit, and then that hanging out would turn into playing again. And so we'd mm-hmm. play from you know eight till ten. And then, you wow. Know, yeah. You really I'd, get sharp if you're doing that every yeah, day. Yeah, you know, I'd fall fall asleep After listening beers, to all the voice yeah. memos that, you know, I had taken from the day of, you know, us playing and, you know, yeah. wake up the next morning and said, I was listening and you know what I think? We should try this. So there really was never a shortage of ideas. Um, yeah, it was a really magical time. Awesome. Real great experience. Yeah, I hope uh if the uh making the second album is anything like that. You guys uh, have some good times ahead. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. we'll keep a lot of the good stuff. You know, there are some inefficiencies that we can iron out and we'll come up with a whole new list of inefficiencies, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're, uh, are you gearing up to tour? Or, I mean, how far do you want to take this thing? Well, so we anticipate, um, and we're in the process of trying to book right now. We're not going to spill any beans until all the dates are secure. We're going to do a little Northwest mini tour, just a few days, um, we think, at the end of February. Uh, still ironing out the details on that. And then we'd like to uh, do a slightly longer tour of the West, um, kind of near the end of spring, being beginning of summer. Um, and who knows? We'll see how that goes, how we like it. Um, you know, we've, we're all pretty experienced playing shows, but none of us has done us. Pete has done touring. Um, yeah. Connor and I have not done any significant touring. And so we'll see how that treats us. Um, we love New England, and we've spent a lot of time there. We would love to go back and play a bunch of colleges there at mm. some point. Um, yeah, yeah, you guys would be a good college act. Yeah, we think so. So, yeah, awesome. that'd be great. Something yeah. we'd really like. To I do. think we're sort of in this phase. You know, to answer your other question, you know, we definitely want to take it all the way. And, yeah. You know, if not Why one not? of the more successful, at least one of the more hardworking bands, you know, in the industry. But, you know, we're sort of figuring out how to do that now where we're sort of getting our getting off the ground and not quite you know can't quite justify quitting our jobs and you know again it's only been a year or two still yeah correct yeah just in the beginning stages super important to remember that because i especially (laughs) i I always feel like we're not moving fast enough we need to be doing everything all the time and at the end of the day 
everything comes in time if you're working yeah. at it and yeah. we have been working yeah. at it that's uh, awesome yeah all right i really look forward to seeing how it all plays out so do yeah. we yeah uh, that'll be a really cool surprise for all of us i think awesome all right thanks for coming on guys thanks yeah. thomas thanks for having us that was monitor i don't know about you but it was cool to hear how seriously they took the process of making an album Sometimes that's what it takes. If you liked this episode of Talking About the Passion, you can do me a tremendous favor and leave me a review on iTunes. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done so already. And uh, you can find the podcast on Facebook at Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you want to write to me with any questions or comments about the podcast, you can email tatppodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon song, Eating Peaches, off my 2017 album, Eating Peaches. Coming up now are two more songs from Monitor, Memorand, followed by Cold Shoulder. Happy Holidays!
have a candle and it burns Cause it's wrong how to wear Feed us without a placenta Resort to whimpering 